All right. Uh, my turn to introduce someone. Uh, I've got to do this three times now on this trip. And every time I've introduced our next speaker, I've said something different. Because I think there's a lot to say. If I just say our next speaker uh, opened Has Been, which is an online coffee store in 2003, that's not enough. I think we all know Steve to be so much more. He's someone who has used the internet to reach so many people, to bring them to specialty coffee, and not only bring them there, but make them excited about it. He's someone who personally has inspired me, not just with what he does, but the coffee he roasts. He's been a joy to work with over the years. He's roasted coffee for people who've won just about everything, from the World Brewster Championship to the World Brewers' Cup. He is a huge figure in an industry, and it's always a pleasure to hear him speak. So please join me in welcoming to the stage, Stephen Layton. So, before I start, I would like everybody to stand up. This is the worst part of the day to give a presentation. You're all sleepy. You've all had food. You, Brian has taken all the energy out of you. But what I want you to do is give, you a, give yourselves a huge round of applause for being an amazing audience. You've been so supportive, so well done. I love the power of making people stand up. You can sit down now. <laughs> so while you're getting comfortable, welcome to my presentation, which is called Bye Bye Bolivia. It's the potential death of the specialty coffee industry of Bolivia, where I plan to explore the, the future of coffee in this micro, micro producer in South America. But before that, who am I? No, seriously, who am I? Three cities, seven days... So many new people, I have no idea who I am or where I am. But I'm going to give you a little bit of history of where I come from. Age seven, I was a weird child. I decided I wanted to be a prison officer. I knew no prison officers. I've never visited a prison. I've never been to prison, honestly. And I don't live anywhere near one. But I had a mom that told me I could do whatever I wanted to do. And she said, if you want to be a prison officer, be a prison officer. I also decided for that Christmas, I wanted a coffee maker. A strange toy request for a seven-year-old. But again, my mom, she was very understanding. She knew I was weird. And she said, if you want a coffee maker, you can have a coffee maker. And the reason that I wanted this coffee maker was there was a roastery in a town nearby to where I lived called Snape's. And they had a roaster in the cellar, and I was obsessed with this roaster. I used to follow old man Snape round the shop, going, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And then I went to school. I got older. We all do. But I still had this dream of being a prison officer. And I still loved coffee. Age 23, I became a prison officer and fulfilled my dreams. Age 23 and two days, I hated the prison service so much. Realised I'd made a terrible decision. But I still had coffee. But then at 26, 
I decided I didn't want to be a prison officer anymore. So I began to make plans. At 30, I opened Hasbeen, an online internet retailer. At 35, I finally left the prison service. I know, I don't look 30, over 35. It's not last year. But at 35, I came up with this idea of Tampa Tantrum with my good friend, Colin Harmon. A little bit older, I stand before you here, a long way from that coffee shop from Wolverhampton and a long way from prison, thankfully. But at the end of an Asian tour where we're in Taipei in Taiwan, and I can't believe we're here with an idea that both me and Colin came up with. But I'm not here to talk about me, although I just have for the last five minutes. I'm here to talk about Bolivia. So Bolivia is a country in South America, has a population of just under 11 million people. It's a growing country. Its population has gone up over 300% in the last 50 years. It covers a land area of 1 million square kilometres. I only talk in square kilometres. I don't like square miles. And it's around about 30 times the size of Taiwan. Its main exports are petroleum, precious metal, zinc and soya beans. Its main imports are petrol, cars, delivery trucks, iron bars and pesticides and has a gross domestic product of around about $20 billion. And Bolivia is one of the poorest countries in South America. According to the Centre of Economic Policy Research, it shows that 60% of people in Bolivia live below the poverty line, with 37% in extreme poverty. Only 80% have access to electricity, 86% access to running water, and only 50% have access to sewerage systems. Bolivians are seven times at higher risk of dying in infancy than if they lived in the USA and use 96% less electricity and consume 90% less oil. Again, using the US as a benchmark, I'm using the US as it's easy to get data from there and I wasn't going to upset anybody in China, Korea or here in Taiwan. But Bolivians make 90% less money than Americans, have 81% more of their babies die, and die 11 years sooner. But they have the perfect storm. Typography that is to die for. I see this Andean spine running through the country, and I get tingles in my own spine. I know what this region can produce coffee-wise. The hairs on my arm are standing up as I think about Bolivia. Not only do they have the perfect storm, though. Oh, no, they have something else. They have born farmers. People that are made to work this land. They grow potatoes. They grow corn. They grow rice. They grow quinoa. They grow soybeans. It's a tough land. It's harsh and savage. But they manage to tame it. And coffee used to be a major principal crop for them. In fact, it was the second most important agricultural export after timber back in the 1980s. It was the primary substitute crop used by USAID to eradicate drugs from the area. Coffee production reached 13,000 tonnes in 1988, with over 20,000 hectares dedicated to coffee growing. Not only that, Bolivia 
drank a lot of their own coffee, drinking 25% of the crop in country, virtually unknown of today. But as you can see from this graph, there's been a very steady decline in coffee production, growing to a disastrously low number. To put Bolivian, Bolivia on the coffee specialty map, in 2010, El Salvador produced 1.8 million bags. This year, suffering from leaks, they produced 500,000 bags, exported bags. In 2013, Bolivia exported 25,000 bags, half that of one of the farms I buy from in Brazil. But it has problems. After the 2005 elections, the country changed. I visited in 2005, and you could tell something was going on. If you look at this map, the red parts of the country are where these farmers live, the indigenous people of Bolivia, who are subsistence growers and don't have lots of money. If you look at the pink parts of this map, this is where the wealthy parts of the country live. This is where I was in 2005. Now, this is the way that the people were voting in the elections then. The red, they were voting for a new man, a man of the people, one of the hard-working farmers who swept to power. I could tell in Santa Cruz they were worried. They were concerned of what was happening. This man, the man of the people, was being compared to Che Guevara and Hugo Chavez. In fact, Hugo Chavez was one of his closest friends. He also shared their socialist beliefs. And this is the man they were frightened of, Evo Morales. To give you his story, Morales comes from a basic education, mandatory military service in 1978, where he was moved to a different part of the country called Chepair. When he arrived, he became a coca grower, the coca that's used in the growing of cocaine. This is legal in Bolivia and is used to make a delicious tea and is chewed as a long-standing tradition. It's only illegal when it's used to make the marching powder snorted in nightclubs across the world. Evo went on to become a trade unionist with the Campesino which was I seem to be making noises. So he went on to become a trade unionist with the Campesino Union, which was um, campaigning against the US and Bolivian attempts to uh, fight the war on drugs. I think it's fair to say that Evo doesn't like the US. In fact, he's been known to chew coca leaves in the UN in New York, which is illegal in the US. It's only legal when it's in Bolivia. Um, the first thing Morales did when he came to power in 2005 was to cut ties with the USA. The Cup of Excellence that had happened for years, the funding was fairly unique. It was 100% funded by USAID. No other competition was ever funded this way. The reaction to Mar Morales coming to power was to cancel the 2006 Cup of Excellence. Future competitions happened, but the will of the government, the political will was not there. And people started to stop growing co coffee and start growing coca. And he really doesn't like the USA, and he doesn't like coffee. But he does like Coca-Cola. In 2010, he launched a drink that was called 
Coca-Cola, just with two L's on the cola. It was intended to rival the famous US Coca-Cola drink. And it was at the centre of a plan to get coca growers putting coca into the Coke. He says that the farmers came up with the name because of, they came from the koala region, but I don't believe the koala and cola is that much of a coincidence. Evo was having another fight with the US, trying to aggravate the rest of the world, rest of the world and trying to be in charge of Bolivia. And it's lawless, and it's dangerous. Every August, for the past six years, I get on an aeroplane and I go to Bolivia and Colombia. I do it because they're joined by an airline route. But both of these countries scare me because they're lawless, they're dangerous. Colombia's not very safe either. But I spend two weeks being petrified. I don't know if you can read the sign up there, but it says, in order to avoid getting mugged, we recommend you don't use these stairs. The law in rural Bolivia is often run by the local communities. And it's run on goodwill. I've often had to pay a bribe on the road from Carinavi to La Paz to ease my passage. But I love Bolivia. Bolivia was the second place I ever visited outside of the UK. And it's somewhere I fell in love with straight away. Nowhere else in the world feels like Bolivia. It's the only place that looks like Bolivia. El Salvador, Guatemala, they have some things in common. You can be in one, you can be in the other, and you think you're there. Bolivia, you know you were there. There's nothing like high-altitude sleep, high-altitude breathing, and a place that looks strange. I'm also the proud owner of three trips down the Death Road t-shirts. It's thought the Death Road has claimed more lives than any other road. In fact, even though, even though there's now a bypass, since 19, uh, 1988, there's been 18 idiots, I mean cyclists, that have gone down and died. It also looks like space. It's amazing. I don't know anywhere that looks like that. It's unique. And also, Ferraris look like that. How can you not love a place that has a Ferrari that looks like that? It also has one of my favourite places in the world. And one of my favourite coffees. In fact, this tour is the first time I've told anybody this. But this is my favourite coffee in the world. It's like having a favourite son or daughter, but it's my favourite coffee. And I found it during my 2007 Cup of Excellence jury. Mario, the gentleman on, uh, on your right there, he, um, he found me at that jury while I was very hot and very bothered. And he came to me with a glass of water and said, are you okay? Which I wasn't. And we exchanged business cards. We chatted for a little while and we went our ways. On the flight home, I was looking at my business cards and I'd got my cupping notes and I found this coffee and it was my favourite all week. So we bought it in Cup of Excellence and found out that this was the first ever crop from the farm. So the following year we bought up and we bought everything from the farm. And in 2010, I spent a whole week on the farm picking with the workers. 
eating with the workers, sleeping in the same place as the workers, and pick 10% of the crop. I feel like I'm part of Loopy's family. Loopy is uh, Mario's sister, uh, there on the, uh, on the left. And I feel very special connection with them. But this happened after I visited in 2010. In a story that is too complicated to go in here, the local community decided that growing coffee was bad, and growing coca was good, and they were going to take the land from the family and kick them out of the farm. We haven't seen coffee from this farm for three years, and every year it makes me sad. It makes me sad for the tragedy of Bolivian coffee. But it's not the only story. This farm called Finca uh, Belinda is an amazing coffee. It tastes of drinking chocolate, melons, a thick mouthfeel. I can taste it as we stand, on the stand here today. It was also the first ever coffee to win the Brewer's Cup. A competition that was won not by a barista champion, but by a home user. A home user who was a customer of mine. Keith won against the odds. And his feedback was, your coffee was incredibly tasty. Interestingly, it's the only coffee to ever win the Brewers' Cup competition that was not a geisha. Grown by a man called Felix Copacale. But this year when I went to visit the farm, this had happened. Felix had abandoned the farm. He decided he'd had enough of leaf rust and he'd had enough of coffee growing. And he moved to South Youngest to grow coca. Coca gives four harvests a year. It's less work, easier to harvest, lighter to carry. The list can go on. The government want to help. Another amazing coffee lost to the specialty world. One that we may look back on as the only coffee to ever win the Brewers' Cup that wasn't a geisha. But there's more stories. Constancio Arequipa, another great farm and producer that's nearly lost to the coffee world, abandoning parts of his farm because of leaf rust. Every time he clears it up, his neighbour doesn't, and the leaf rust comes back. Dwindling crops mean Constancio doesn't want to grow coffee. He uses the land to graze animals. Another coffee that we're going to lose, Finca Loesa. A coffee that still today excites me thinking about it. Sweet cherry, dark chocolate, another amazing mouthfeel. Key lime pie acidity, it's just so unique. He's still producing coffee, but he's had to move his family to this town because him and his wife have had to get a job because coffee doesn't produce enough for them to live on. And I'm no agronomist, but I can see why. Tree coverage is too much. Plant stock is old. He's not fertilizing. He has leaf rust. He needs serious agronomic advice to help fix the farm. But Bolivia doesn't have it. The government don't care. This is Bolivia today. Leaf rust, old plant tissue, a lack of knowledge and a lack of fertilizers mean Bolivian coffee is dying before our eyes. In our lifetime, we run the risk not only of losing Bolivia as a specialty coffee grower, but as a coffee grower full stop. And you may ask, well, why don't they just plant coca 
and stop planting coffee. Well, coca sucks all of the goodness out of the soil. It's a very short-term crop. This will leave Bolivia barren. A country of farmers will have land that they can't farm and more problems than they ever thought was possible. And that's not the only problem. Jesus, a lot of problems. Bolivia gave up their coastline in 1904 in a peace agreement with Chile and became landlocked. This makes shipping hard. But it's also creating problems with Chile. In 2011, Evo Morales, he's back, went to The Hague to petition to get the land back from Chile. He's still fighting now in the courts. This means relations with Chile, the only way you can get coffee out of Bolivia, are strained. This year we experienced delays of two to three weeks because of border problems. Coffee sitting in a hot container in a hot country, not able to get out. Not a good thing. But I'm going to stop being bad news guy. I'm going to be good news guy. So there is some good news. Coca growing is on the decline. People are stopping to grow coca. And five years on, Evo's Coca-Cola plant sits idle. And US Coca-Cola is everywhere. The will of the people was to not go down this route where you isolate yourselves, but to embrace other countries and other cultures. And you can see a softening in Evo's stance. There was a time where Evo alienated his opponents and Bolivia nearly broke in two. But two weeks ago, they had a vote for president and Morales won his third term, walking straight in. Over 40 percentage points over his nearest rival in the lead. Now, this growth is the growth in popularity of Evo. This isn't more farmers coming into the system. This is the pink part of the country where the money was, starting to see that Evo is becoming a grown-up politician. And he's investing. He's investing in the country. Every time I go to the airport, it's being rebuilt. Every billboard has a picture of Evo with a builder's hat on. In fact, I think he's more of a builder than he is uh, a president. He's just opened a mass transit system in Bolivia with cable cars two weeks before the election. I don't think that was a coincidence. But there's been a warming towards Evo. He's starting to add stability to Bolivia. And he's starting to look like a grown-up politician. And I'd like to introduce another good news story. This guy is called uh, David Vilker, and he's the most miserablest man in the world. I bought from coffee from David for four years and rarely got a smile out of him. But the past two years, we've gotten to know each other a bit better. David used to be a miner, and he lost his hearing while blowing up dynamite under the ground. And when he left the mines, he bought this farm 12 years ago. Every year I'd visit David, and he was miserable. And I asked the exporter, why doesn't he have hearing aids? Surely that could make him a bit happier. And they told me that the year before, they'd given him the money to buy hearing aids. And this is what his wife bought. I don't know if you can see the satellite dish up there, but that's what his wife spent all of the money on for his hearing aids. Well, a lady does need her TV. So, 
Last year, I suggested to David we charged our customers 11 pence more for their coffee. So 11 cents, 11, I don't know how it translates here, but a very, very small amount. And our customers bought him some hearing aids. And this is a picture of David showing me his hearing aids this year when I visited. I asked him why he hadn't got them in, and he said he couldn't afford the batteries. So I ended up, we're going to sort out some batteries from this year for about five pence a bag. But David also told me he was thinking of giving up growing coffee. Um, but the prices we were paying him and the friendship we had developed, and it's a true friendship, this isn't just a relationship, it's a real friendship we have, makes him want to continue. And he's still very miserable. I mean, look at him. But I did make him do this. So he's slightly less miserable. And there's another good news story. This guy is called Tadasio Mamani, and he owns uh, a farm called fin Finca Canton Uinesi. And um, Tadasio wants to grow better coffee. So this year we've set up a fund, not giving him money, but we're flying in an agronomist to help him fertilize and give him some advice. There'll also be a fund for those fertilizers and ongoing help year on year. Not only that, he also shares my love of football shirts. In fact, if you look at this one, this is the first photo I got of, uh, of him. And he's in a Chelsea shirt. Uh, and I don't like Chelsea. But he looks happy. So I bought him a Sunderland shirt. He doesn't look so happy. But anybody who knows Sunderland will understand why he's not very happy. But this year, he was showing me, he, he wouldn't wear the Sunderland shirt with me. Um, this year, he was showing me some of his new plantings, how healthy the coffee is. And his neighbours are starting to become interested in why he's growing coffee and why he's getting more money for his coffee. They're also interested in Sunderland are, so I might send some more shirts out. Because at the moment, this is what Tadasio's neighbours are growing. Coca. And I mean right next door to the farm. You can touch coffee here. You can touch co coca here. But because of the work we're doing with Tadasio, they're starting to think, we don't want to grow coca. We're seeing what it does to the soil. Small steps forward. And there is hope. I've said all of these negative things about Bolivia. But I think if we try... If, as the coffee community, we work together, if we invest in agronomy, if we pay better prices, if we have great relationships with the growers, we can do a great job. Year on year, we've been increasing how much we pay for our coffee and how much more we buy. You know what? We've had to raise some prices. Bolivian coffees, we're charging similar prices that we would for a Kenyan coffee. But these coffees are special. We have the good Bolivian coffee because we're paying for it. And we have good Bolivian coffee because of this man. This man on the right, sitting next to me, and his daughter, Daniela, and his farm manager, Carlos. I don't need to say which is which, do I? Daniela and Carlos, they look different. Um, and they help us work with David and Tadasio. They help us find amazing people who we can work with. 
They help with agronomic advice. They're the ones that have helped us get the Costa Rican agronomist to come in and help Tadasio. But they also have other plans to fulfill the market. They've built their own farms. And here we've got a picture on uh, Finca La Linda, which has been planted with red bourbon, yellow bourbon, SL28, geisha, typica, new plant stock, well-organized, irrigated, organized, tidy. He's also opened Finca Don Carlos, named after the man on the left and Pedro's right-hand man. Maybe I should have put them the other way around, but um, again, interesting varietals, well-organized. And also, it's a great farm that next year is going to produce its first harvest, a future, a farm with varietals, a mill that produces amazing honeys, washed naturals, healthy soil, not ravaged by coca. New plant stock, new hope, and a new future. And I never finished the story of Machicamarca. So, my favorite farm in the world. This year, I got to meet up with Lupi. Um, she got me drunk on red wine. She's a bad lady. Um, but she sent this message to my customers that I'd like to play for you now. Hello everybody, I've got a special message here from a special lady. This is Lupi from Machacamarca. What are you going to tell people? Well, I have to tell you, Machacamarca is coming back. As I showed Stephen, the plants are there. Some of them are in bad shape, but they're going to come back. And it's going to take a couple of years, but you're going to be getting your coffee again, and it's going to be better than ever. And I'm going to share some photos with you that Lupi shared with me tonight, and it looks amazing. I'm so excited. It is exciting. It has been like, it's a story you have to look at the photographs to believe because it's better than any novel. It's sort of like an adventure uh, with, a, with a happy ending. Hollywood would turn down this plot because it's too unbelievable, but I can't wait for it to come back. And we've had a lovely evening, and we'll, um, we'll yeah, send this you is the photos and videos. We'll send you all of it. They're coming. Speak to you soon. And the coffee. Bye. Bye. You may notice in that I'm slurring my words. She gave me so much red wine. Um, but these are the good news stories that are coming out of Bolivia. Morales doesn't like coffee. I'm fairly convinced of that. But I think we shouldn't let Bolivia die. I don't want to see these amazing coffees disappear. We need to get behind people like David Vilker, Tadasio. Pedro, and there are others, pay a little bit more for our coffee, work a little bit harder to get them out of this difficult country that is so unique. And because of that, I will continue to buy, buy Bolivia, the potential revival of the specialty coffee industry in Bolivia. Thank you. Very nice, very nice. You get to sit in this seat. There you go. This is who you are. Okay. You ready? Are we all ready? Yeah. So my first question, um, do you see Bolivia as kind of being an example of where the rest of Central American coffee could end up quite easily? Very much so. Um, 
talking to Aida about the situation in El Salvador. The political situation there is very unstable. Um, it's very unsafe. Uh, there is a drugs trade happening there, albeit drugs normally passing through. Um, there's a gang uh, culture. And you, we see this repeated in lots of uh, you know, Central South America. It, it really is a sign of where a country can go so far down that was producing amazing coffee up until five, ten years ago. It was easy enough to get, and now it's really tough. So, yes, very much so. 对，没有错，我觉得这是很有可能发生的。呃，我跟阿伊达也谈过他们萨尔瓦多那边的状况。那萨尔瓦多那边事实上现在也是有很多咖啡的问题，包括可能毒品啊，那边有非常严重的犯罪，还有帮派黑道的问题。呃，这些都在这些国家里面发生，而且其实很难想象一个可能到五年、十年前都还生产如此美味咖啡的地方，可以在那么短的时间之内每况日下。所以是，我觉得这确实是一个未来可能中美洲这些咖啡生产国可能会面临的危机。All right. So,、um, has been as a company and, and specifically you travel a lot to farms and visit producers and support them, as you talked about just in Bolivia. There's probably a lot of people out here who want to visit Origin and want to go and、uh, work on relationships with farmers. Do you have any? Tips or、um, maybe hurdles that you'd like to、um, share,、um, or things that you think are important for when someone does travel to Origin, so it isn't just a tourist trip, but it actually has、uh, real tangible benefits as well. Uh, has been. 事实上，身为一家公司，有非常多的旅行，每年都去各种不同的咖啡产国去做交易，与咖啡的生产者做直接当面的会谈。那在座应该也有不少人是很希望去原产地。跟咖啡农、跟咖啡的庄园建立友善良好的互动关系。那对于这些朋友，你有什么样的意见可以给他们呢 ？I think there's two kinds of origin trips. I think there's the trip where you go to buy coffee, and you have to go with a very full wallet of pound notes to seriously back up why you're there, why you're taking up people's time.、Um, people are very hospitable, almost too hospitable. Um, and I think it's important to back it up with you are going to buy coffee. So trips to buy need to be containers, not container. I think containers are the time where you can take people's time. Not everybody's there, and it's still important to visit Origin and understand what's happening. So for me, the cup of excellence is the perfect tool to go and understand a producing country, go and meet producers, maybe foster some early relationships. Uh, but on, not on the producer's terms, but on your own terms, because you know you're paying your flights, you're paying your accommodation, or cup of excellence, or, and you're giving something back. 嗯，当然，第一个最重要的就是你要带够钱，因为你去那边这样子让人家招待你，而且他们通常对你都会非常非常的好。那因为你要去的原因就是你要跟他们买咖啡。所以说，你如果没有代购钱，你也不要浪费人家的时间，浪费人家的精力。那我所谓的代购钱，就是你不能说我要去买这个一桶咖啡，我是要买好几桶的咖啡。那另外就是，当然啦，我们也不能说买咖啡就是一切。呃，另外一种关系可能就是我们透过一些像是卓越杯这样的组织，我们透过 COE， 呃，像我们过去可以跟他建立一些前期的。
呃交易前的良好关系。那在这种状况下，你要做的就是你要确定，就是你到那边去之后。你们是用你们的方式在进行交流，而不是用对方的方式在进行交流。那事实上 ，COE 这样的组织就是一个非常好的管道。I think both Matt and I have had ten days to ask you a lot of questions. I would like this audience the chance to ask Steve a lot of questions. So maybe we can、uh, get a microphone out there and, and people can ask some questions to Steve. 我们已经问了不少问题。那这一区有没有观众有问题的？我们可以拿麦克风给你。I was that good. I covered、mm. everything. Who's、oh. got the mic? There we go. Back, back, back a bit. We'll start here. We'll come to you in a second. Don't worry. We. Oh, 不好意思，其实我没有问题，但是我想问一下，就是说，啊，刚刚呃，应该说昨天晚上看的电影到今天，刚刚一直在啊，我没有看到那个农友这一块，让我们很感动。那不晓得说，呃，这次来参与的这一些。啊、呃，那个主讲老师，呃，是否有呃有空可以到我们台湾的咖啡园去看看？然后再一个，就是因为我们这一次来了好多个，呃，应该说都是我们业界的一个呃咖啡同好、咖啡业界的人。那呃，看了这些那个咖啡的一个产地，是不是我们也应该行动，走入我们最近的台湾咖啡园？谢谢。So I don't actually have a question.、Um, so yesterday I came and I saw the film, and you know it was amazing. I am deeply moved, and I just figured, you know, we have seen so much of you know coffee farmers from abroad.、Um, have you had a chance to you know try some of the coffee shops in Taiwan?、Um, and also, you know, I would just like to kind of call out to you know all the coffee lovers in the audience. You know, seeing the situation of coffee farms elsewhere,、um, maybe you know we should take action too. Maybe we should try to do something and you know do something for the Taiwan、um, Taiwan coffee farms. I think、um, yes, we have seen quite a few of the coffee shops. We spent all day Sunday as a as a group visiting、um, many of the coffee shops and was really surprised by the diversity compared to either. The other countries we visited on this tour,、um, and the, how excited people were about coffee,、um, and we had some great experiences, didn't we, guys? I mean, you, you were there、For、too,、sure. and it was、um, it was really good.、Um, enjoyed it very, very much. 有昨天，其实前几天我们一行人都已经去了蛮多在台湾当地的咖啡店。那事实上，我们都很惊讶这边的咖啡店里面的种类。呃，各式各样的产品，还有不管是顾客跟店员对于咖啡的热情，那可能都是我们这次呃旅行的几个国家里面，呃，台湾可能是最多的。所以说，我们都觉得啊，这边的店家真的是非常的不错，然后我们大家的体验也都非常的精彩。Another question just behind is it? Is it James? Is it? Uh, I estimate uh we have about over three thousand. Micro roasters in Taiwan. Actually, they are more like、uh, narrow roasters. They are quite small. I mean,、uh, we have so many uh, small uh, micro roasters in Taiwan.、Uh, how can we do something more like、uh, you do? I mean, the direct trade. How is the suggestion that you can give us? Thank you. 
呃，那刚刚的问题是说，我大概估计台湾大概有三千个以上的可能自家烘焙或是比较小户的烘豆师。那如果我们想要也是进行这种直接交易的方式，我们有什么方法可以去做 ？I think so.、Um, I, I, I love to tell this story of、um, last year.、Uh, I went to Ethiopia with、um, Annette from Square Mile,、uh, James's co-founder. Uh, and with、uh, Flory、uh, Marin from、uh, Monmouth Coffee, probably the two, I think, two most recognised specialty coffee brands in the UK. But we travel together because we collaborate together because we work together.、Uh, me and James are in a very similar marketplace, but I actually claim him as one of my, you know, one of my closest friends. And he hates me, but I like him.、Um, <laughs> But we—it's we, about collaborating. Now, those 200 micro roasters, you should really be working together. You know, you should be coming together and forming a buying group where you can have access to those amazing coffees. And from what I've seen, you have all of the ability to do that. You all seem to like each other, which is really refreshing to see. So, you should definitely be working together. Uh, this question is actually very hard to answer. 呃，不如这样讲好了。去年其实我就有到这个伊索比亚，到这个原产地去，呃，做了一趟小旅行。然后那个时候呢，我跟我们英国两家算是最知名的精品咖啡店的人一起过去。那像是我也跟 James 一起过去。那大家都知道啦，其实这个 James 超级讨厌我，但是我还是很喜欢他。那我们一起过去的时候呢，我就觉得说，哎，其实台湾的红豆师也可以用这样的模式，就是团结就是力量。你们大家应该要形成一个，譬如说购买的组，或者说你们就组一个团，大家一起过去，你们就会有足够的购买力，并且你们就可以取得这些真的非常精彩的咖啡。那就我目前看到的，你们应该大家都有能力做得到。在场的各位来宾，看来是都彼此都没有什么。敌意，大家彼此相处良好，这个实在是让人耳目一新。Can I just just add to that very quickly?、Um, in the past, I think a lot of us felt that direct trade became the best way to source. But we think that you've been quite public in saying that maybe actually what we call direct trade is not always the right way to go. Hanson. 嗯，我们过去都常常宣传说直接交易是最好的交易方法，但是其实我知道这几年你似乎也有在说这个方式或许并不是我们想象的那么美好。So,、um, I'm going to use David Vilker as a great example. So, do I buy David Vilker directly? Yes, I know exactly how much I pay for it and how much exactly goes to David. I know him personally. I visit him every year, but I use an exporter because I can't get coffee out of Bolivia. I'm a I'm a tiny company still myself, and it's it's hard. So I use resources that are available. Do I still buy from brokers?、Um, if it's delicious, yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you buy delicious coffee that is been bought by somebody else, has been cash flowed by somebody else? And has been shipped by somebody else, and you just get delicious coffee. So, direct trade is a method,、um, and I think we're going to hear more about that as well. We heard about more about that from Kim today, didn't we? And 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 
You know, these are all issues that... There is no right way of buying coffee. There is right coffee to buy, just no right way. 呃，我或许可以用 David Fulker 来这个做一个例子。大家都知道，我也讲我会跟 David Fulker 直接买咖啡，这也是一件好事。我每年都去看他，我每年都跟他买咖啡。但是我跟他买了咖啡，我有办法运出玻利维亚吗？我没有办法，因为我是一个小公司，我没有能力把咖啡搞出那个国家，所以我得要靠出口商。等于说我还是必须要借助外界的资源来帮我进行这个交易。我的意思是。可以跟盘商买咖啡吗？如果咖啡够好喝，为什么不能买？当然也可以买啊！他们已经投注了资源，已经帮你建立了通道，你当然还是可以买。或许我们说直接交易那是一种交易方式，但它不一定是唯一的一种交易方式。买咖啡重要的是买到好的咖啡，而不一定是在寻找好的购买方式。So it comes to me to say thank you for being both interesting and inspiring for all of us. Please join me in saying thank you so much to Steve Layton. 那谢谢 Steve 今天过来给我们这么有趣的这个演讲，请大家给他掌声鼓励。<笑>